Welcome, Wildcats, to another episode of the Weber State Weekly Football Show. We are a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Colby Peterson. On the show today, uh, we have a, a first-time appearance here on Weber State Weekly. We've got former Weber State fullback and two-time All-American Brady May joining us tonight. Brady, thanks so much, man. Glad to have you on. No, thanks for the invite. This is great. Yeah, we're excited. Also, we've got the uh, the man down south or midway anyway, <laughs> further south than Ogden these days. Uh, Sean Lewis coming to us uh, first, live. First appearance from the new Casa de Lewis here in uh, San Pete Valley. Um, so we're, we're, we're excited to be here. I wish I had a football resume like Brady that you could announce coming in because <laughs> go I, I don't have anything that cool on my resume to, uh, Me neither. to share. <laughs> you got a cooler screen name than us though oh he does yeah. yes sir well good sean glad you guys getting settled in down there and got in the new place i heard you got the good lights so hopefully you got to use them on saturday uh flash. yeah yeah we did they're they're flashing purple right now or they're well we do solid for game day and then if we win we animate that's it yes i'll have to put a gif of that out uh uh, Glad to, to, so we could put that on the, as a as a Weber State Weekly gift. Glad to, glad to get that posted on Giphy and let the people use it. Well, let's talk a little bit about tonight's show, guys. So um, we're going to, of course, recap the the game that happened down in Northern Arizona. Weird things happen in Flagstaff, and weird wow. things did happen in Flagstaff. So we'll talk a little bit about the Red Rock rivalry. I'm calling it the melee in the mountains. I like that a little bit better, but it's the Red Rock rivalry. So says the PR departments, and so we'll talk about that. Then, of course, Selection Sunday was just yesterday. So this on Monday. And so we'll talk about the FCS playoff picture and kind of the way that things shook out because there were some things that I think were pretty certain. And then there were some surprises. The committee kind of gave us some things to think about. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then we've got a short segment where we'll hand out some awards and uh, just say, hey, who, who's your guy? Who do you think this? Who do you think that? So we'll wrap up the show with that. Before we get into it all, though, we want to encourage you all, please subscribe to the show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all good places to find quality Weber State Weekly content. We're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, We've got a Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. Become a patron. Support us. Um, really appreciate our patrons. They really help us keep the lights on. And um, we're grateful. So thank you so much. So guys, let's talk a little bit about the Red Rock rivalry slash melee in the mountains. First of all, this is the first time that we've seen them call it the Red Rock rivalry. There's a new trophy, which I think it's a great rivalry. Um, as Brady can attest, some weird games up in Flagstaff. It's been a pretty competitive. Um, it's been a pretty competitive series over time. But I want to start with the name. You know, new trophy, new name. What do you guys think of the name? How many Red Rocks are there in Ogden? <laughs> are there are there red rocks in flagstaff even i don't think I so don't. so I, at least I, they're closer to where the red rocks are there's right. red rocks in the middle i guess i don't know i mean so that's I exactly what i was told was that i was like why red rocks and they're like well it felt like you know that was kind of the midway point between the two schools so that's what we went with because i when i first heard it i was like this sounds like what should be the rivalry game between now utah tech and SUU. SUU. That's, yeah. that's what they yeah. should call their rivalry game. You know, that seems like that yeah. would work yeah. for them. But uh, I did like the trophy. What'd you the guys trophy think of the trophy? The trophy is beautiful. 
Trump, yeah. trophy was beautiful and and if we could just get tim crompton to let go of it it would be even better but, uh, <laughs> he was carrying it around and i was like oh just give it to coach hill he'll take care of you folks just just hand it to him i did like that they gave it to president mortensen i don't know if you guys saw that yeah. uh they did and then yeah. later they showed them them you know president mortensen holding the trophy during the selection show on sunday so i like that that clip so I, I was shocked and I, I should bone up on my Weber state history better. Um, I was shocked that the series between NAU and WSU was 27, 27 going into Saturday's game. Yeah. I, I would have thought that, that Weber had a, a bigger advantage in that, but, but playing 500 against NAU, I guess we're, we're uh, one up on them now, but uh, that, that was the shocking thing to me and, and glad that we get the trophy first. Yeah. Yeah, Brady, I mean, oh, go ahead, know, man. I was going to say, you've played against them. You've been up in Flagstaff, like 27, 27 all time. Like Sean is saying, like, if you've seen those games in Flagstaff, you can understand why before that, the Wildcats were seven of 18 in Flagstaff before winning on Saturday. Talk yeah, to us no, about how weird it is up there. The, the last one before Saturday would have been, I mean, before Jay Hill. So I, I don't know when the last time we got a, a W down in, in uh Flagstaff, but yeah. it is, I mean, it's a tough place to play. You know, like you said, the melee in the mountains, I think would be a suiting name. I mean, it's high elevation. It's in a dome. It's hard to breathe. The lighting's a little different, you know, and for whatever reason, uh, it's been a, it's, it's a win. Getting a win down there has been, been difficult. And, uh, so it was, it was good to see him get one pulled off, uh, whatever the trophy's name is, I guess we're happy to have it. Right. Yeah, like right. Sean said, good to be the first ones to to claim it. Um, but then also Jay Hills, Coach Jay Hill's first win in Flagstaff in his career. So weird times. Well, I guess let's talk a little bit about the game. Now we've talked about the rivalry, talked about what it is. Let's talk about the game. So offense came out really hot in that first half. I mean, just boom, boom, scoring a pair of quick touchdowns. But then things just kind of ground to a halt. There were a lot of miscues, a lot of missed opportunities. I think there were some uncalled PI a number of times, if I'm being 100% honest. Um, and so it was just field goals the remainder of the game after the Wildcats go up 14 nothing. Well, that's not true because we did have Abraham Williams's 100-yard kick return to go up 21-7. Uh, but from that point on, just touchdown or just field goals from there. So I don't know guys, like what did you think changed for the offense that made it really tough on them to execute what they were planning to do the rest of the game, Brady? You know, I uh, just going back to, that is a tough place to play. And I, I mean, they were, we're playing a three and seven team. Um, and, and to be honest with you, we came out, we punted our first drive. Right. But then we scored back to back touchdowns fast. I mean, we went right down the field. I think there were, a minute and a half and two minute drive right. for touchdowns. And, uh, and really even on our third offense or that next drive following our fourth offensive drive, we, we were moving the ball a little bit and that's when we went for it on fourth down, right. And didn't get it. And kind of a little bit of a momentum swing, but uh, off not getting that off the penalty, right. And ended up, punt, you know, punting away, but it's, it's what I think could have happened is just the, I don't know if it's complacency, right. But it, it's almost like it was too easy to start. And then, you know, I, it's almost like we kind of let our foot off the gas. Might have been thinking about next week uh, a little bit. I don't know. You know what I mean? We, we dropped some passes. Seems like we're having a hard time sustaining blocks a little bit and just kind of bogged down. And I, and I don't know if that's the right way to put it or not, but uh, that's kind of what it looked like to me. It was almost too easy to start. And then, you know, you get a little bit of a momentum shift. Football's a big game of momentum. And, and it feels like things really slipped for us for a while, but... 
I, just, Brady, I feel like that's been the story of the season, though, right? Sure. We, 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 we've talked about it. I know I've talked about it on this show previously. Uh, the second and third quarter slogs, and it's like like we, 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 we go through the first quarter, everything's great, and then we fall asleep for half the game, and then we wake up in the fourth quarter and we're like all urgent again because it's like, oh, crap, we're in, we're, we're in a tighter game than we should have been. And, yeah. and, and I, I didn't play, so I, I don't know. But from a, from a player's perspective, how do you how do you get in and out of those those lulls like that where you just feel like everything's working great and then nothing's working the way you want it to? Yeah, no, I you know, and originally watching the game, uh, you know, I thought in my mind, I was like, you know what, we took our foot off the gas. We weren't as aggressive in the third, mm-hmm. second and third quarter as maybe we were in the first quarter. But then after you know, kind of going back over it, I don't know. I almost an execution day. I think we had six drop balls. Um, in the, in the second and third quarter of that game from, from what I can remember and, you know, different things like that, little mental, little mental things. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that was the, I don't think it was a lack of being aggressive there, which is what I initially thought. I thought, you know, we're, we're rolling. So why, why did we slow down or why did we take our foot off the gas? And, and I don't think that's what it was looking back. I think it was maybe more mental or, and I don't know if that's us worrying about, but you're right. That's been the tone of the whole season. We've had these opportunities maybe to put some teams away and, and let them hang around um, Montana state, even being one of those teams where we got up 24 yeah. to nine had a drop pass that potentially would have been a touchdown to go up 31, 31, nine. Right. And yeah, instead, that's, that's, a, that's a great yeah, example I mean, because I, th- I thought on, on Saturday uh, when the wild Cubs were up 14, nothing, they had a chance to go up 21, nothing. And, and if we go up 21, nothing, I was thinking to myself, okay, that's backbreaker. We're, we're going to, we're going to cruise to this, but they didn't go up 21, nothing. And it ended up being 14, seven. And I felt like there was one of those things that I was, I was uh, texting a couple of friends and, and we, we all just thought, Hey, 14 to seven feels a whole lot different than 21 to nothing. And, and uh, letting him go into to halftime, was it tied at halftime or was, was it? Tied. Uh, tied yeah. And, and, and in that second quarter, we let him tie it up. And uh, I, I think that was a huge thing for Northern Arizona to to go into halftime tied rather than being down. Yeah, especially you know three and a three and seven team that's for sure playing their last game of the season. You know, it's like you said, you go up twenty one zero, and now what? You know, what are they playing for at this point? I guess pride, mm-hmm. but you can mm-hmm. close the door and put them away and and uh, kind of you know make things pretty grim for them in a hurry versus letting them you know, be a one score game, tie it up a half and then have something to play for. Right. Because they are, they are college athletes on, you know, they do have pride, they are competitors. And so Mm -hmm. you can't let a, you can't let a team hang around at all. You know what I mean? But especially, and and it just feels like this team this year, for whatever reason, maybe it's a Jay Hill thing. I don't know, but it just feels like they lack that, that uh, mortal combat finish him uh, (laughs) mentality. Right. Uh, That's going way old school. Brady's probably too young for that, but uh, you get that, that, that we just don't have that, you know, break them into submission finishing move that, that if we deploy that early on, when we get these leads, that, that it would be over, but they just don't have that. And, and for whatever reason, we let the teams hang around. And that, that's been a frustration as a fan uh, this season and others. So guys, how much of this, I mean, we've talked about the second and third quarter swoons. Uh, It's been a very real thing. Not always, but common enough that it has a name. (laughs) And so I kind of wanted to ask you guys, I mean, because the Big Sky Conference has been very difficult. The Wildcats have played a difficult schedule this year. 
And so how much of that is defenses making adjustments in those second and third quarters that slow down the Wildcat offense to the point where they're not able to execute what they want. And there's not a confidence quite yet in that system because it is pretty new that when the other team adjusts, it takes a little bit of time to counter adjust to get that production back. How much of it do you think is opposing defenses adjusting to slow the Wildcats down? How many times did we see an open receiver drop a ball? Yeah, it happens. That's what I was going to go to. You know, like, it's not just this that's game. That's game. Right. That's, that, yeah, it's not just this game. It's that's uh, we we've got receivers that have had the ball right here, wide open, and it doesn't. They don't complete the catch. Now, whatever reason that is, um, I let's go get a new glove manufacturer with with more <laughs> stick them on the on the hands. I don't know. Uh, uh, but but uh, I I think that the scheme has been we've seen a better scheme this year than we have in, a, in, in the last couple of years of Weber State football um, and it's execution. Yeah, because I like the play calling. I don't know about you guys, but I've really liked the play yep. calling. I think it's been fresh. I think that um, for the most part, it has been really good and has gone for. I don't know. We talked with Mitch Tulane about this during on the game day show last week about explosive plays, right? And it feels like that's a really key part of Coach Mickey Mental's offensive scheme. And I feel like we've seen a lot of opportunities for those offensive explosive plays. They just haven't always landed. And I, I think that's where I agree with you, Sean, that that's the part where guys still haven't quite gotten there yet. Um, and it's a process, um, but you can see the flashes of greatness. And if they can land on some of that stuff, my goodness, watch out. But certainly. Yeah. I, I, I hundred percent agree. Make Mickey mental. I think I, first off, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, there's for sure capable coaches in house that could have, that could have been the OC, you know, there's a couple of young coaches I think could have done a good job. Coach Ridley, you know, I, it's some of the guys that were around when I was around, I think, I think could have, could have potentially done it, but I, I love that we went out and, and, got an outside hire to kind of revamp the offense. I think that was 100% what we needed. I think coach mental coming in has done a phenomenal job and I've loved his play calling and his offense and scheme this year. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I just keep going back to, it's like, like you said, Sean, the, the drop, you know, drop passes or, or, you know, having one guy miss a block that would have sprung, you know, sprung a back for 20 or, or whatever it may be. It's, or a little bit of an overthrow or, you know, I mean, it's, it just seems like in that Sac state game, the Montana state game, uh, even in that, that game on, Saturday, you know, if you think of some of those big, you know, those drops and different things that they just absolutely, you know, you hit one of those or two of those more in a game and you win the game or you hit one of those or two of those more and you, you know, maybe it's a completely different game on Saturday, you know, so it comes down to execution and I don't know, we're, we're probably still a little bit, um, like you said, in a new system and learning and, and growing. And I think that's the most exciting part about this team though, is that we're sitting nine and two. And I don't think we played our best football this year, you know? And so I don't think we played a complete game this year. We haven't. Yeah. 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 Even, even, you know, yeah. Even, you know, Utah state or some of those games where we played for the most part really well and, and, and had a good turn on the scoreboard. I mean, there's still drop balls and missed, missed opportunities and gave up a kickoff return. You know, there's still tons of opportunities to, to be better. And that's an exciting prospect to be nine and two and, and still have, you know, your best football hopefully in front of us. So that's, that's an exciting thing. We just got to figure out how to, you know, button up those last couple of last couple of things there. Yeah. A bowl eligible Utah state team, by the way, now that happened yeah. when they, they beat San Jose state <laughs> on Saturday. And so it's, 
Like the, the Wildcats are the only FCS to defeat a bowl eligible FBS squad this season. So I, 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 I'm doing my best to not, um, I mean, cause these are college kids, right? They're, they're, sure. they're young. I don't want to disparage or, or, or call anybody out individually, but I, I just, I just feel like there's just a, a, a lack of, of executions, the word that we should use, but it's, it's, I don't want to say discipline Brady. I don't know if you have a different way to explain it, but it's just, it's just completing the job, right? Yeah. Um, precision, right? Precision and, and, and it, it's like, uh, um, I was trying to tell my son the other day, um, he took the trash out and didn't put a new, new trash bag in the garbage can, right? The job wasn't done. And, and I feel like that that's kind of where we leave the, the Wildcats this year is, is a lot of times the job just wasn't done to its conclusion. Sure. No, I can, I can, uh, yeah, I can see that. It's, it, it has been frustrating for sure at times. You just, yeah. It, and the Montana state game is really the one that I keep coming back to. And I, and I guess in AU two where we were up, but I mean, that Montana state game, we, we had the opportunity to really probably go up 31, nine in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. And at that point it's, you know, I don't know who knows what happens from there, but it's at just, that point, this, game day is not close. going to Bozeman on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't, you know, that's, that's, what's crazy about it. And, uh, at the end of the day, you just got to figure out how, a, a way to make a couple of those plays, you know, and, and the drop balls have plagued us. False starts have hurt us a little bit, um, you know, getting behind schedule. Um, but I, I think there's definitely the, I mean, the plays are there to be made. And so whatever, whatever the answer is, I don't know, I guess that's why coach Yellow gets paid the big bucks, but the, the plays are there to be made. And so that's, what's exciting about it and about this offense, but we got, we got to, we got to make them, especially now. Yeah. Yeah, Guys, let's talk a little bit about the defensive side of the ball. Um, We talked about on the game day show that RJ Martinez was going to be it, that however he went was how the Jacks were going to go. And so they did end up going to the, through the air and we said it would be key to stopping them. He ends up going 31 of 43, 72% completion percentage. He passes for 280 yards, which is about hundred yards more than what Weber state normally gives up about 110 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, is, do you think the teams are starting to figure out Weber state's scheme a little bit? Because this is not, this is not the first time in the last few weeks that we've seen quarterbacks start to figure out some of the DBs and give them a little bit of trouble. You know, that Martin, Martinez is a good player. He is good. Uh, Freshman of the year, right? Last year, big sky Last freshman year. of the year, finalist for the Jerry Rice Award. Like he played, I mean, did he finish in the top five or top six, maybe of the Jerry Rice Award? I mean, he's a good player. I think, I think, uh, I think everybody knew what he was going to be going in. It does make you a little nervous. It, it kind of almost goes back to you know, like we're talking about the offense goes up, goes down, scores. We get some three and outs. You know, they they're punting. We were winning field position, and it's almost like things were too easy again. You know, and so maybe we did, you know, it's like we lack that ability to to keep going and close the door, not taking anything away from NAU, but it, it, it looked, we looked just a little bit, maybe complacent again on defense. Like we, you know, almost thinking about next week or whatever it is, or, or this was just going to be an easy win kind of thing. I don't want to say that, but that's kind of how it looked to me at times. We, we didn't look like we we're flying around as much as maybe we have in the past or we, or we can in the past in our secondary. I don't, I don't know. That's just kind of was my thought 
you know, um, it looked like we relaxed a little bit. One thing I will say is that in the second half, the adjustments that were made at halftime really had an impact. That third quarter, I think it was straight three and outs for NAU. Like they did offensively, they did nothing in the third quarter. And the only reason they scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter was because of the fake punt that didn't go the way that we had hoped on the 16 yard line. They scored a touchdown on that one, right? Because we essentially gifted it to them. But I mean, hats off to the defense for making those adjustments in the second half because offensively any you really didn't do much outside of that second quarter that's classic uh that's classic jay hill right coach dove coach dale i mean those guys it seems like that's kind of been the the theme over the last several years you know our it seems like our defense always does play play well in the second half and and it's because those guys make great adjustments and um, so i I, I I agree with everything you guys are saying, but to Colby's original question about what happens, uh, just looking at some stats, cumulative stats over the season, it's very interesting to me. To me. I I think we just hit some better teams, right? Okay. Um, looking at, at yards per play, the most yards per play we gave up um, to our opponents, uh, uh, Sacramento State got 7.16 yards per play. Montana State got 6.32 Every other game, we were below five, right? And and you're giving up an extra two yards, yard and a half, two yards per play. That's the difference of a of a second and short, or a third and long, or a, or you know, you get those first downs, right? Um, and those, I'm I, guaranteeing I think, those extra yards are on the ground because those and those are coming from quarterback runs. Because if we look at what's the common thread between those two opponents, running quarterbacks, right? Yeah, and and so I wonder if uh, if a lot of what you're seeing, Colby, is not the defense that that's gotten worse or people figuring it out or or whatever. I think you're just seeing the better teams, the better talented quarterbacks, are doing what they do, and and those guys are more difficult to, to contain. They're more difficult to scheme against, and and they're just talented guys that make plays, and and they made the plays that that they needed to make. I guess the other thing too, going back to NAU talking about the 280 passing yards, good to take piggyback off that. I mean, uh, it was in a dome. It was perfect throwing conditions. And that, that was, I mean, what, have we seen a better passing quarterback this year? I don't know. I can't, maybe, I can't. maybe miles Hastings. I mean, in just in maybe. terms of, of efficiency, like, cause Hastings, yeah, just, I think leads the conference, but he's not a big arm. He's a dink and dunk kind of guy. And he'll just nickel and dime you to death. That's his way. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Why. Uh, That's, that's a good point. You had uh, Northern Arizona win 31 of 43 uh, passing against this. The only one that comes close is Davis at 39 and 57. Um, nobody else. Uh, Portland State threw 31 times. Oh, it looks like Utah State threw 40 times with 16 of 40. But those are the two best passing games against this was Davis and and uh, Northern Arizona. So maybe out of maybe out of lay off our our corners and secondary a little bit. Maybe it wasn't it wasn't them. But For no, sure. I don't know. I you know at times you know I I don't know. But but we make the adjustments. I mean, it seems like we've right. done that all year. So yeah. second half, second no, half, no, no fly zone was back. You know, it wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Um, talk a little bit, staying on the, on the, the subject of the defense, the defensive line logged six TFLs in this one, only one sack. Uh, but I think that's partially because Martinez was pretty good about just getting the ball out relatively quickly. And so that's what happens, right? If the ball's not there to bring down, well, then you don't, you don't sack the quarterback. How do you guys feel about their, their performance overall this season? Cause I think 
that there were big question marks when it came to the end of the season. Those question marks, I think, have largely been answered. Uh, some guys have definitely stepped up and have shown to be really effective players and guys that are going to be around for a while. So overall, how are you guys feeling about defensive line play this season? Yeah, you know, uh, like you said, you know, you graduate Jared, Jared Sheesh, then you lose a couple guys in the portal that that were going to help and that have been helping and that were big, big um big players for us or we're projecting we're going to be big players for us. So, yeah, I mean, I think you knew you're going to have Doug Sheesh. I think you knew you're going to have Sione and, and Khaleesi um, in there, the guys that have been around for a while. Uh, but some of the surprises, you know, Chad Pulsifer, the Snow College kid, uh, has had a good season. Zeke Birch, who's been in the program for a while, but we haven't seen, you know, he hasn't, we haven't seen a lot of him until this year. I think he's had a great season. Um, Braden Celestine, man. New Celestine. Yeah. You're right. Braden Wilson has been really, really big this year. Stephen Bryant had, I, I had some moments. Right? has been. You guys, sorry, you guys are naming names here. I think the D line has been serviceable. I don't. There's nothing in there that that really stands out to me. I uh, early in the season we thought they could have gotten more sacks, um, and you know there's reasons for or against that, but uh, I, I don't think there was anything on the D line play that 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 gave me pause. Um, I guess the only other thing or the, the one thing that stands out to me is just those, uh, Colby, you made the point earlier, the mobile quarterbacks that, that, that escape containment. Um, I, I, it's those broken plays, right? Where uh, the Wildcats stayed home, did their jobs, but you, you have a, a quarterback that can get out and, and, and break one or two tackles. And then they're, you're not in position and you, you know, those broken plays, you've got to get, where it is i'm not articulating this well but i I think for the most part the d-line did their job yeah and and i think you're right because compare the difference between the way that the wildcats played tommy malott in the montana state game with the way that asher o'hara got played i felt like they were much more ready for asher o'hara after seeing tommy malott do i think tommy malott is a better player yeah i do but also i feel like after having faced malott they were a little bit more comfortable with that kind of a quarterback, which I think could pay dividends potentially in the playoffs. Should you maybe see him a lot again? The only problem is like you guys saw on Saturday. Now Sean Chambers is back too. And that is tough to deal with. And I guess that's the other point I want to make is that like, it's not like anybody's cracked the code on this thing, man. Like nobody is defending running quarter or absolutely shutting down running quarterbacks right now, you know? Nobody in the FCS. So don't feel bad if you're not holding them to 150 yards. You know, no one is. That's kind of the trend of football anymore. You know, these, these running quarterbacks, look at the NFL, all the, all these elite quarterbacks. Now all the young quarterbacks are all running quarters for a reason. I mean, that's tough because yeah. I mean, if, even if everything's covered perfectly, you know, if you give them very much, it's, you, you got troubles. Right. And, uh, but you know what? Like you just said, Tommy Malott and uh, O'Hara, you know, you're not going to play better quarterbacks than that. You're not, and until we see him again, we're not going to, I don't think that we'll play better quarterbacks or at least more, you know, more of dual threat quarterbacks than those two. And so I think that there's definitely an advantage to having seen both of those guys already this season. You know, if we can, if we can learn from it. Yeah, I think we have. Well, I think the the message, and and uh, I'm looking ahead. If if the Wildcats get to go back to Bozeman again, I think the message from Jay Hill is: Look, we were here. 
we got in our own way. We, we beat these guys on the field and, and, and save for our own mistakes. We would have won that game. I don't want to say handily, but we would have won that game. Right. So I think there's confidence in, 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 in those guys having that experience already. Yeah. Absolutely. Last question. Last question on this guys. Um, and this is, this is going to lead into our next segment where we'll talk about the FCS playoff bracket, but if the Wildcats had just blown NAU out, right. If like you guys said, if they had just gone up 21, nothing or 28, nothing, and just really broken NAU early and blew them out. Do you think that helps their chances of being a seated team on selection Sunday? Or does it not matter? I don't think it matters. I don't and, think it would hurt. It doesn't oh, hurt, right. Brady. You're right. But no, I'm go ahead. Finish. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think I'm with Let you. Let me tell you why. When it comes to seeding, Weber State controlled their own destiny. They lost two 50-50 games to the two seeds that came out of the Big Sky Conference. Right? Win one of those games, you're probably a seed. Um, when both of those games, you're definitely a seed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're probably a three or four seed, right? You win one of them. And and I think that's what it was, is is the the committee not uh, looking at Weber State and saying the two times they had to go against top 10 teams in the country and they didn't get a W. Now, you can, they didn't, may not have looked at those games or known the nuances of those games or, or how that goes. You just didn't get the W. You get a W in one or both of those games, and 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 you take that out of the committee's equation. Um, so, and I think I think the Wildcats are—I don't want to say being punished, but I think that's the consequence of losing those two games. Is is that now we have an extra game to play, and and you've got to go on the road on the second weekend. Yeah. Um. Really quickly, if you guys could pick between those two, the Montana State game or the SAC game. Which one would you rather win? That's tough. Uh, it's not tough for me. I know the answer. Which one would I rather win based on which one, which team would I rather beat or which of those two games after watching it? I think, man, that's that we should have won that game. No, just which would you, which would, if you could pick, it's like, okay, you can, you can get a do over and you're going to get a dub out of one of those games. Which one do you want? I think I'd rather be, I think I'd rather beat Sac State. I don't know why. Same. Me too. I want to beat Sac State because they keep talking about that freaking record. Now, yeah. Mason, he yeah. wants Montana State here. And that's uh, understandable. You know, hey, and, you know, should the Wildcats get an opportunity, they might head back up to Bozeman and we'll see what happens. But for me, beat the green team, dude. I, yeah. A wise well, man once said that, right? <laughs> Go ahead, Brady. Oh, well, and, and, you know, you get Sac State at home and I just feel like, man, I you can't lose that one at home or you don't want to, you don't want to lose a home game. You know what I mean? That's that. Yeah. And yeah, no, I, I think I'd rather be Sac State then and be Montana State in two weeks. <laughs> I, I have an, an irrational hatred of, of all things Montana. Um, I think the frustrating one, Millard hits it on the head. The frustrating one was the MSU one because that was on us, right? We had that game won. Um, and, and, and it was still winnable at the end. Still it winnable. Was winnable at the end, even with the mistakes and and with the, those four errors, those four safeties that are going to haunt all of our dreams for for a long time. Um, 
that game was we were we 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 snatched defeat from the jaws of victory on that one. Um, the Sacramento game, um, I agree with you guys in your reasoning um, that they're a green team. They shouldn't be that good, um, and I, I hate that they jaw their their three fans jaw about that. I hate that their social media team put back to back to back champions because they didn't play three seasons in a row. You can't be champions three seasons in a row if you don't play three seasons in a row. Right. That's math and facts, right? So uh, I, I'm, I, I, that's tough, Cole, because I, I just hate Montana so much. <laughs> the Montana schools as a whole. <laughs> you know, I saw um, Associate Commissioner John Casper posted on Twitter today. Uh, Northern Arizona won the national championship in men's cross country, and so um, they put another national champion banner, you know, up at the conference offices in Farmington. And I didn't realize that Montana state has the same number of national championships as the Grizz. Just to drive the Missoulians nuts, right? Well, you know, and there's all this talk about dynasty in the nineties and into the two thousands and, you know, and all that dynasty just to, um, same as the cats who were there before them. Because those those national championships for the Bobcats came in the seventies and eighties, the Grizz didn't get theirs until the nineties and then two thousand. So, well, while we're while we're throwing shade at Montana, the other thing too <laughs> that drives me nuts is uh, you know all this talk about Montana being Montana and Montana State being the you know the mecca of FCS football and this and that and the other or, or you know top these top elite programs which you know Montana State had a great run last year in the playoffs but sure. you know they they won the Big Sky this year or shared the Big Sky for the first time since 2012 right right and it's been even longer since Montana the Grizz have had a share of the Big Sky championship so we're talking ten plus years you know I mean it's we're we're in a new we're in a new decade you know and uh, so. I don't know. They, and they did, they got one this year. Good, good for them. But I, that always drives me nuts too, especially the, that's more the Grizz fans things though. You know, the, <laughs> they're the blessing to the big sky, you know, and you're like, dude, you guys haven't been on top of the big sky. And you know, since 08, what, no, not even 08. Yeah. Uh, uh, 09 maybe. <laughs> like 10 or 11, 09. I don't, I really don't know. You know what I mean? But it hasn't been sure. for, you know, so that, I always get a chuckle out of that, you know, but, sure. Well guys, let's, Let's talk a little bit about the FCS bracket now. So Wildcats go on to win on a last minute field goal, beating NAU, uh, winning that Red Rock rivalry trophy. Um, good, good to get the dub up there. Jay Hill's first in Flagstaff. And so the melee in the mountains complete Wildcats all time with the edge now, 28, 27. So let's talk about selection Sunday. Uh, playoff picture was revealed on Sunday morning. Um, and some surprises, I think, is is a is a way to put it. But I think Wildcat fans were shocked, probably most to not be a seeded team. I think everybody expected the Wildcats to be a seeded team. A lot of national pundits had the Wildcats as a seeded team, and they weren't. Uh, they were they were number nine, and there are only eight seeds. And I think the team that probably got that spot over the Wildcats is Holy Cross, the Patriot League champion. And so Give me your guys' um, kind of your feelings as things shook out and as they began to show the bracket on Sunday. Was there? I mean, I look at I look at the top eight, and that's the only school that I look at and go, "Them? I don't know. I don't know." I mean, how are you guys feeling with uh, with not being seated? 
I, I, I said my piece on this a few minutes ago, Colby, uh, Holy Cross as a, as a league champion. Um, that's a feather in the cap that Weber state doesn't have. And if you got two teams that you're viewing as equal, that's going to, that's going to tip the scale in their favor. So from an uh, inferior league though. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. Let's be Frank. Is the Patriot league, league the big sky? It's not. No, 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 it's not. I, I'm not, not doubting that, but they're a league champion, right? If, if you're weighing out the scales and you're saying a two loss team that, that's the, that's not a league champion and a, and a team that is a league champion, that's, that's going to go in their favor. I guess my beef is that in years past when it was a question and say the Valley was going to get somebody felt like the Valley got that benefit of the doubt because people felt that the Valley was the best conference in the FCS. And so wins meant more there. I think maybe the thing that works against the Wildcats here is that honestly, you've only got one ranked win this season and that's the win over Montana. I think maybe that's the thing that works against them. Uh, because as you said, Sean, the two losses that you do have are two teams that were seated above you, um, both share of the conference championship. And so, you know, I think that it kind of works against you that you've only got one ranked win. Whereas in the past Valley teams have had more than one ranked win. And so a Patriot league champion maybe doesn't look as good as a team from the Valley or the big sky that have won two, three ranked that beat two or three ranked opponents, even if they're exactly opponents in the teens or something like this, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a tough deal. No, you can't, you can't take anything away from Holy cross. I mean, they, they had to play the teams on their schedule, right. And they beat yeah. them all. And they, and they had an FBS win too, right. They beat a, they beat a bad Buffalo team, you know, but they beat them, you know, and they, they and they, they, they won the team. They beat the teams on their schedule. You know, what, what's tough though, is, you know, the, their strength of schedule is 76. You know what I mean? 76. They do have a rank. They did have a ranked win, but it was number what? 20 something. It was, it was a team in the high twenties. I read. Like being Fordham. Fordham like, who was like on the yeah, ball. Yep. They were ranked like 22 or 23 or four or something at the time. And they did, and they did win, you know what I mean? But you, you shrank the schedule 76. So this is what I look at and it's not fair. It's not fair. Right. Because like, like Chunk said, they did win their championship. They won their league, you know, they won the games on their schedule. But I mean, if you put Holy Cross in the big sky, how many games, well, how many games are you going to win? They're, they're Idaho state. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know that they're that bad. I don't think they're that bad, but they're, they're Portland state. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Portland. They're middle of the. They're probably a middle of the road team. You know, they probably beat the Idaho State and they might beat the Cal Poly or whoever. You know, but they're not going to go play. They're not going to play a one score game with Sac State. They're not going to play a one score game with Montana State. They're not going to beat Montana. They're not going to beat Idaho. They're not going. You know, I, I don't know. If there's somebody watching right now that's calling me an idiot, probably. But I mean, I, I, that's how I look at it. So the playoff committee is really worried about getting the best 24 teams in and then seeding them who are the best. I, I think that, I don't know how you do that, but I, you know, you got this whole big national committee and, and I'm sure there's some biases and different things like that. And, and, you know, the inclusivity thing and everything like that. But I, I, I think that it's okay for wildcat fans to feel probably like they got hosed. I do. I, you know, I think that they, I think Weber state's one of the best eight teams in the country. And, and fortunately we have the opportunity to prove that, but that's just how I was looking at it. You know, you take William and Mary or incarnate word, 
um, you know, or Holy Cross and put them in the big sky, how are they going to finish? Because I don't think they finished 10 and 1, 10 and 1, and 11 and 0, right? I, I don't know. Um, no. Well, a question, because like you said, now the Wildcats have to play this weekend against North Dakota, and we'll talk about a second, but it seems like in the past, and you know, Brady, maybe you can attest to this in the locker room because you've been there. It feels like when this team has a chip on their shoulder and they feel slighted, that they play with a little bit of an edge in the playoffs. I mean, could this work Absolutely. in their favor? I mean, what, what do you guys think? Well, yeah. So, you know, as a fan, I'm, I'm mad, you know, cause, cause you know, I, I think that we should have gotten a buy and I think a buy could have been beneficial for a little bit of rest, you know, and to get guys healthy. I think a guy like Josh Davis could really benefit. Yeah. The running back seemed off. banged up. Yeah. Josh, Devontae, Chris, I think all those guys could use a week off. Um, but now as a, as a, as a competitor, as a player, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think this is a 2017 SU situation. I think it's a 2019 Montana situation, you know, where we, we get beat in the regular season, especially 2017. Cause it's just like now, I mean, we were probably good enough to be a seed in 17. We weren't. And, and I think that rubbed everyone wrong. And then, and then not only that, but we lost to Southern Utah in the regular season in a game where we didn't play very well in a game where we lost our quarterback, you know, a lot like the Montana state deal where we, you know, we just didn't quite probably play very good. And uh, we got a place uh, who was, it? Oh, Western Iowa and then or Western, Western Illinois. Illinois. And then yep. we got to go get a little bit of redemption and, and, uh, mm. And uh, Cedar City, and we all remember how that went. I mean, that was a the game that, a, that broke SUU, man. They've never a, been the same. Yeah, I mean, that was just a beatdown of a game in your ride. I mean, I think there was a hundred guys that wanted that game, and hopefully, that's how it is this year. And I would assume that you know, there, there's no way there's not a coach, a fan, or a player that that doesn't want to play Montana State after what happened a few weeks ago. You know what I mean? And and if this is the fuel we need, if we have to play this week to get that fire lit underneath us, that like we're talking earlier, you know, that killer mentality, you know, the finish them mentality, then I guess that's, that's a fair trade. You know, I, I would hope that, um, this is enough to do it. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, I guess. I, I agree with you, Brady. And I, I wonder there's, there's two schools of thought, right? You, you want the week off for the rest, but playing this week keeps you in the normal rotation and the normal rhythms of the season. Right. And, and yeah. teams that, uh, they get the week off. Sometimes they get shocked and surprised on that second weekend. I believe Weber State's fallen victim to that in the past. Um, uh, so I, 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 I think you're, it is a double-edged sword, and I'm not sure which side I want to be on. I want the running backs to be healthy, but I can guarantee you one thing. I'm glad we're not going to North Dakota. I'm glad North Dakota's coming to Ogden, right? And, and the, the, the Wildcats don't have to travel. This week, um, you get a home game in front of your home fans. Um, I think this is a winnable game. Um, I, I just hope the Wildcats don't look past North Dakota, which is a good team. They're not the they're best team, team out there, but they're, they're a good team. And they can sneak up on you, um, former Big Sky Conference members. But I I think we we need to uh, play the game, get, get under us, and then put all of our, our uh, attention on Montana State and and frankly, if we go to Bozeman and win that game, you're you're set up, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a tough road from there because then you would have to face if you can go to Bozeman and win, you would then have to face, I think, South Dakota State at that point. So you got to go to Brookings in the quarter. I think you get William and Mary first. Oh, you'd get William and Mary and then you'd have to go and face South Dakota State if they make it that far in Brookings. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so it's it's a tough road to get to Frisco for the Wildcats. Yeah. 
you know, and two playing this week, like we were kind of talking about earlier, I, I don't think we've, you know, like we said, I don't think we don't think we've played a complete game or our best game or our best football that we're capable of yet. And so this week, maybe that just gives us one more opportunity to clean things up against a good opponent. And, you know, and so, yeah, I mean, it could work out in our favor uh, to keep building, building on this deal, you know, and because uh, North Dakota will get you ready. I mean, they're a good team. They're going to be disciplined. They're going to play hard. They're going to be tough. You know, uh, we've had some good battles with those guys when they were in the conference not very long ago. What, two years ago or so? 19. Yeah, uh, 19 was their last season. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it can be it can definitely be um, a positive if, if we make it one, you know. And so hopefully we're not hung up and have a letdown because we're not having a buy or whatever, you know, we're playing on Thanksgiving weekend. You know, if you, if we have that attitude, it's things probably won't go our way this weekend, but if we play with a chip on our shoulder and, uh, you know, attack the week and, and, uh, approach it. Like I know Jay, Jay Hill, Jay Hill's been, you know, in the spot with his teams before and he's a phenomenal coach and he seems to get us ready. And so I, I'm sure he'll have, have the guys right, but it, it can definitely be a good thing. I think so. Yeah. So like we said, a seven and three North Dakota team will come to Ogden this weekend to face the Wildcats. Um, they, sorry, they went seven and three against the FCS. I should say uh, they did play Nebraska and lost that game, but how do you guys feel about the matchup overall? Because I, I started watching last weekend's matchup uh, with them. They went to the Fargo dome and played the bison. Um, didn't go so well for them in the first half. I mean, the bison really, they really did a number on them. So how are you guys feeling about this one? Do you feel like they are good? It is a winnable game, but you need to make sure you're in it. Like, Talk to me about how you guys are feeling about the Fighting Hawks coming back to Ogden for the first time since 2019, where if you remember, Wildcats got lucky to get out of that game with the dub. This is a different team on, on both sides of the ball. Uh, Kobe, I, I, I think it's we, we can't look past them, right? The nope. temptation is to look past them and say, we've got a date with Destiny and to go back and atone for a loss at Montana State. And, and we just can't look past them. If you look past North Dakota, they will beat you. So, so the, the, the key is for the coaching staff and the players, let's get this job done, focus on and do what we have to do this week and let next week take care of itself. That's fair. Yeah, I agree. You can't, especially now, I mean, in, in college football, it's hard to win football games in college football. I mean, it is, everybody's got scholarship players, you know, everybody's got, everybody's capable, even, even, even the That's worst teams in the conference. <laughs> uh, Sorry, Davidson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even even the worst teams, you know, they've got scholarships too. They've got capable players. So if you start overlooking guys, you'll get beat, you know. And but if if we prepare the right way, I mean, they're they're going to be tough. They're going to be disciplined. I, if I remember right, it's the same. Head, it is the same head coach that we used to play against. Um, they'll do some things. If I remember right, on defense with their fronts, that they'll play some games and do some funny things. But if, if we go in there, I mean, so they're a good opponent and they're, they're very capable, but if we go in, don't overlook them. I, I like the matchup. Yeah. Um, last thing on this guys, and then let's move on to awards really quickly. There's a lot of conversation this week about, um, about the, the, the non-conference schedules. So some felt that, the way that the committee deals with bubble teams, especially this year where the bubble was so big, there were so many deserving teams, teams like Chattanooga, who I had the opportunity to see beat Mercer just a few weeks ago down in Chattanooga. I mean, 
there there were a lot of teams. Davis is another one that came really close to beating Sack right there at the end of the game. Um, Davis was surging in the second half. And I'm kind of glad the Wildcats played them early rather than later because, my goodness, they were a wrecking ball in the second half of the season. But tough schedule this year. They really challenged themselves. They played Cal, which is a money game. They played South Dakota State in Brookings and lost a close one. And then they go and they play a tough conference schedule uh, in a conference like the Big Sky, having to play Weber State and having to play Montana State, having to play Sac State, who they will play every year, and also taking the trip to Moscow. And so they end up on the outside looking in because they challenge themselves in their scheduling. Is that a disincentive to teams? Do you think teams would look at that and go, you just got to get dubs. You just got to stack dubs. I don't think the committee cares as much about the quality of the dub because it it's fine. It's all good and fine if you win, but if you don't win, it feels like it really hurts you. Do you feel like it's a disincentive to schedule tough non-conference opponents? And what does that say about the subdivision as a whole? Or is it something that teams they'll keep doing because, you know, they want to do it and they'll just roll the dice and hope for those big wins. I, I think that, uh, there are 125 FCS teams in the country. And I think that a committee made up of eight to 10 people, I forget how many people are on it, uh, don't have the bandwidth to focus on 125 teams. Now I understand you're only trying to find the top 24, but you, you can't focus on every game. And so you do what everybody does and you, you go to the metrics. What are win? How many wins do you have? How many losses do you have? How many wins against ranked opponents do you have? How many losses against ranked opponents do you have? Did you win your conference? Do you have an FBS win? FBS losses don't count against you. Um, F- FBS wins help somewhat, right? Um, how, how did you do FCS versus FCS? How many FCS wins do you have? Um, I think a, a D2 team can hurt you especially if it's close. But at the end of the day, they're not looking at the nuance of the game. Nobody's looking at the the Montana State game and saying Weber State uh, crapped the bed on special teams, right? What what they're saying is Weber State lost by uh, uh, five and 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 against a ranked opponent on the road. And and that's what it is. Top five opponent good. on the road. Okay. No, it doesn't matter. I just, I just, that's all they're looking at. And at the end of the day, it's the dubs that get you what you want, whether that's a dub against the sub 50 team or a dub against the top 50 team, it doesn't matter. It's, it's the dubs. And, and, and it, the same way works in FBS, the same thing works in FCS, the same thing works in the NCAA tournament. It's, it's what have you done for me? What is, what is your record? And, and when we're looking at teams that have similar resumes and similar records, what are the things that stand out pro or con? And so if you have an undefeated season, it doesn't matter if that's against the little sisters of the poor or against Montana every week um, or Montana state or Weber state every week. The fact of the matter is you've got to win the games that are on your schedule. Yeah, no, that's, that's what's, uh, you know, it's, the, the FCS is just so top heavy in my opinion, you know, uh, the Missouri Valley, the big sky. And I guess you could say that the colonial, I don't know the colonial with Jan, without James Madison is probably a little, not quite the same, but they're probably still up there, you know, and then it's everybody else. And that was almost kind of the message this year was 
just win, you know, just get wins, just collect W's and, and, you know, strength of schedule didn't seem to hold very much weight. Um, seemed like the only, the only place anyone used the strength of schedule argument was for the university of Montana, right? Well, they lost these ranked teams, right? But it didn't seem to matter for Weber state or anyone else. I don't think, you know, you know, yeah. you look at those other seated teams. I wrote, I wrote them down uh, the other day cause I was just curious, but you know, Holy cross schedule strength of schedule is 76 uh, incarnate word was 59 and uh william and mary was 44. well so to kind of put that into perspective i was just looking on the ratings the other day and and the number one till like number 20 strength of schedules was all big sky and uh and missouri valley teams right and then you start getting some of these other like a colonial or southland or whoever else makes it in there so i mean there's no question that these you know the big sky and missouri valley i mean they were just playing better teams play it's tougher football you know what i mean and and it's just kind of interesting because I don't think the, the committee really cared or, or like you said, had the chance or the ability to examine all that or, or comb through all that with the toothpick. They just were more focused on the win. So I feel like it's almost sending the wrong message because they're like, yeah, you know, just get get wins. Now, on the flip side of that, this is kind of a double-edged sword too because you can go schedule all those cupcake games you want. You can go get all those wins. But the first time you really got to go battle someone, do you want it to be in the playoffs? You know what I mean? Versus Weaver State. Yeah. We played we played the best teams, you know, we played the two seed, we played the four seed, you know, so I feel like we were states, we, you know, we played a bowl eligible FBS team. I feel like we were states battle tested to an extent. I mean, we should, we we've seen probably as good of teams as we're going to see for a while here. And I feel like there's, there's gotta be an advantage to that. Right. Versus some of these teams, like, you know, whoever, Holy Cross, I don't know, we're picking on Holy Cross, but I mean, the best teams they're going to play or the best teams they've played all year are going to be right now when it matters the most, you know what I mean? That's going to be, so I don't know if that, does that really help you? I don't, I don't know. For, for getting in, it probably helps, but once you're in, it doesn't, I guess. So this, this is the entire argument in basketball, the Gonzaga, right? Gonzaga rules the West Coast Conference mm-hmm. and then they get in the NCAA tournament and and they're weak in the NCAA tournament and they've made a best couple of finals. All year. But it's the best teams they see all year. Now, I'm going to go and I'm going to give credit to the Big Sky Conference because the Big Sky Conference has a strategic plan that specifically says we want to build up our conference and build the conference up in football strength because the goal is not to make the playoff. The goal is to have a Big Sky team in the national championship game in Frisco every season with a good opportunity to win that game. So um, we can argue how that works, but... But I think that goal is working. I think the big sky has been more exciting than it's ever been when you have three to four top teams. Um, I love the, the, there, you can go five or six teams deep in the big sky and, 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 you know, anybody can beat anybody on any given Saturday. You know, you've got the top heavy teams, but look at Idaho, what Idaho did this year came out of nowhere to, uh, to, to cause some, some uh, chaos in the standings. So I, I like what, uh, what the conference is doing, but remember the goal is not just to make the playoffs, the goal is to win a national title for the conference. And I think the conference is encouraging their teams to start to schedule difficult so that when playoffs time come, it's just like the SEC in, in the FBS, you've already played all these top teams. So the playoffs are not anything different. Mm. And, you know, uh, the strategic plan makes sense, Sean, because if you look at the history of the conference, I think it's one, two, three, four, five, six total national championships held by the Big Sky Conference. Well, seven technically because BSU was uh, one yep. uh, a, a long time ago in the 80s. But in the, uh, well, you know, in the quote unquote modern era in the last 22 years, just two. 
just two, the 2000 Montana Grizzlies and the 2010 Eastern Washington Eagles. That's it. That's all the Big Sky has in terms of national championships. Now, of course, there are more appearances than that, but not wins. And so you look at conferences like the CAA, or of course, we could talk about the Valley because of the dominance that the Bison have had over the game for the last decade. But I hear what you're saying. There's an encouragement to go because it levels you up. And so don't move away from that. Don't start scheduling lesser FCS teams in your non-conf, even though it is stacking W's because just win the games in front of you, get in, and you'll be more prepared to face the top levels and go deeper in the playoffs because you've seen talent on that level. Well, and and Colby, to that point too, I, I, I just want to say, I thought it was great that we had three top 10 matchups and two top five matchups on the Weber state schedule this year, just because we played our conference, right? Yeah. Those were, those are great games. Those were a lot of fun. They brought out fans. There was a lot of excitement around that. I know we came up on the short end of those games, or, but, but I, I'm glad we played them. And, I, and that made this season more exciting for me as a fan to know that I had a top team going up against other top teams. I don't want to play little sisters of the poor every week. I don't want to see Weber State putting up 70 against B2 opponents every week. I, I want to see Weber play the best teams out there. And and right now, the Big Sky has several, five of the top 24 teams in the country. And, and we got to play against uh, four of them, I think, right? Yeah, um, and, and had James Madison not gone up, you would have played against them too. Yeah, so... Yeah, I, I I like what Jay Hill and the Wildcats are doing. I like what the conference is doing. Um, yes, there is some tendency to to beat yourself up, but when you run that table, you have a special season, and it, and it hopefully ends up in Frisco in a, in a in a title. And I I long for the day that I can I can go to Frisco and watch that game and see the Wildcats bring home an Addy. I'll mortgage the house again to uh, to go see that game. No, absolutely. I think you got to keep doing God's that. ears. What's that? From your lips to God. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I think you got to I think it, it playing the cupcake games for whatever reason that seemed to be, you know, or, or just getting a win seemed to be what the committee wants. But I, but yeah, it's just, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. You're not really setting yourself up for success. And then, you know, the, the plan of the conference, I, I think it's working. I mean, you know, we you just talked about the the history there, but I mean, I think it's working. We we there's some competitive teams, and and there's you know three teams, four teams in the in the playoffs right now that are going to have a pretty good run at it. And UC Davis is still right there. Idaho's getting better. I mean, there's I mean, the, the Big Sky's six deep, really really good right now. It, with the, with a couple others that, that are more than capable too, or they could get you if you overlook them. So I think it's for sure working. What would be interesting though is you know take out. I don't know because I don't see this, but you know, take out um, North Dakota State from the Missouri Valley. How many championships did they have in the last twenty years? I, just a question. I don't know. South Dakota State won one, right? No, they don't have any. That's the that's the joke. Is that the bunnies have none? <laughs> well, the bunny, so they didn't win one. When did they lose? They lost in the spring season to Sam Houston. That's what it was. Yep, that's what yeah. it was. But the bunnies don't have one, and so that's what you know. That's so has anyone joke. else from the Missouri Valley won one in the last 20 years? Maybe Youngstown State. I don't know. I have to go back and look. Well, Youngstown, Youngstown might have got one, huh? With uh, Or they lost in it. Yeah. 
Uh, we'd have to go check. But, Anyways, but just yeah. kind of an interesting thought. I was just kind of thinking, but I, I think the big guys are sure trending in the right direction, but just kind of yeah. interesting. Just, just a thought I had. Well, folks, like we said, uh, the Wildcats will be facing number 20 North Dakota at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time is at uh, Stewart Stadium this weekend. And so if the game's at 2, get out there. Fan Fest starts at noon. Get out there and tailgate. But let's let's wrap this up really quickly, guys. We got s- some awards. So we wanted to give our panel just a little bit of opportunity to kind of shout out some of the guys that have done the best this season in their view. So really quickly, guys. Which guy do you think had the most swag on the team this season? All right. I think there's a number of good candidates. You know, I think you could go. I think, yeah, I mean, Eddie Heckard, I think Dez, I think, I think, uh, uh, you know, Winston Reed, Mm. I, you know, I think all those guys, but I got to go with, uh, this this is going to maybe surprise me. Maybe not. I got to go with Ty McPherson. T-Mac. Oh, dude, T-Mac. T-Mac's got loads of swag for so <laughs> Yes, yeah. he does. Oh, you know, I mean, he never, it doesn't seem like he ever stops talking, but he's out there just blocking and hustling and making plays. And he, he walks around with a little bit of a, a swagger that is for okay. sure earned. You know, he's not faking anything out there. I mean, that's just T-Mac. And uh, I, I, I love, I love the way he carries himself. I think he's, yeah, he's got some swag. What about you, Sean? Uh, uh, T Mac could definitely uh, first team all swag for me. Uh, Maxwell Anderson is going to get my vote. Um, oh yeah, uh, the, the guy is just a, a, a has been a brilliant defender, and you could give that award to anybody on and on, on the defensive secondary. But uh, I think Maxwell Anderson has had uh, by far the best season, and 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 with the, the interceptions and the timely interceptions that he had, especially early in the season, uh, set himself up for for this award. Yeah, I think for me, guys, um, I, I sort of struggled because it was like, ah, you know, offensively, you know, the, the running back room has really, you know, I've really liked what those guys have done. So I'm thinking like, oh, you know, D-Mac or like Damon Bankston, like those guys are both just really, you know, when they've gotten through, they've really gotten through uh, T-Mac, of course, uh, man, just so much swag. <laughs> there but i think what i'm gonna do i'm actually gonna go abraham williams on this one man four count them four one two three four hundred what yard was i even thinking what was I even thinking? This year. yeah uh you know it's just it's just incredible and he's a sophomore folks i mean i think rashid shaheed's ncaa record of seven in a career uh kick kicks return for touchdowns is on notice because man, he's got four in one season. He's going to, they're going to start and stop kicking to him at some point. Right. But just man, Abraham Williams, so much swag this year. And uh, so, somebody needs to tell Abraham that he doesn't have to go hundred yards every time. <laughs> he just <laughs> likes it that way. <laughs> <laughs> that's mine. I think, but uh, let's, let's go really quickly to biggest play really quickly. What would you say is the biggest play of the season? Man, I feel like there's, I feel like there's so many uh, ways you could look at this. So, I can I cheat? Can I do a biggest biggest two plays back to back consecutive Fair series? Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think uh, I, I think the biggest play slash two plays was uh, the first what second game of the year against Utah State. So we go up three zero. They run back the kickoff. So we're down seven three. So it's kind of like an oh crap moment. The momentum shifted. Mm-hmm. And then we get the ball and we hit the big, we hit the big, big uh, deep ball that Ty McPherson and then Josh Davis runs in that 18 yeah, yard touchdown and just punches him right in the mouth. And that was it. I mean, that was it. 
I, you know, I think that those two plays, that little answer right there, I think really set the tone for the rest of the game. I think it's set the tone for the next couple of weeks of football, kind of put everyone on, on, uh, on notice with the new Mickey mental offense. Um, I, I thought that was, I thought that was phenomenal. I thought that was a great answer. I mean, I, that was unbelievable. Biggest play. If I have to go one play all by itself, well, I, I could go down the list. I don't, Des Williams picking that game. I think was another could have been biggest play of the season. I mean, we're up 21 seven and, and uh, he, he takes it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he, he picks it off. Go, we up, go up 20, uh, 28, seven, that game's over. I mean, it's just absolutely over dead at that point and fans are leaving. And uh, you know, I you think in a big plays that kind of set the tone for who Weber state was this year. I, those, those are kind of the plays that came to mind. My my memory is shot because I, I've been moving and a new job and all that. So I, I, I honestly, Colby, I can't think of one that really stands out to me. Um, but uh, can I can I say that the the series of slant plays? Um, there's been a couple uh, from my seats in Stewart Stadium that have gone to the south end zone, Bronson Bear and Ty McPherson or Jacob Sharp that, that have just gone into the corner of the end zone. It's just been beautiful, and you see it open it up from from many of them. Um, I, you could name any of the four Abraham Williams touchdowns that were momentum shifts, uh, all seem to come at big times, but, um, so I, I, I think the way that, the, that they've used the slant as the big play, uh, has really changed the offense for me, but, um, one season defining play, I just, I don't have one off the top of my head. So I think we talked about the need for the Wildcats to win against ranked opponents this season, right? Because Wildcats were coming off of a loss to Montana state, a heartbreaking loss uh, that weekend in Bozeman. So the next week they're facing Montana at home. Stephen Bryant gets in there, strip sack, dude, boom, gets the ball out of the guy's hands. Chris Brown is, is all over the place and it just creates havoc. And I just felt like that it was later in the game, but it was also at a critical time in the game because Montana was still they still believe that they could get back and plays like that. Just take the wind right out of their sails and make them have to start from square one. And that was a big coming out game for Steven Bryant. So I felt like that was a win that the Wildcats really needed because if they don't win that game, it's a two game skid looking down the barrel of Sac State coming to Ogden winning against Montana was absolutely critical because if the Wildcats don't, um, they're probably a bubble team, right? So I don't know. I felt like that play at that point in the game against Montana was really big. That kid's going to be a stud. Oh, he's been incredible. He's going to be La- awesome. Last one really fast, guys. Your unsung hero this season. Who is it? Uh, I'll take this one uh, first, Brady. The offensive line. And and the reason I say that is because we did not have a quarterback go down injured for the first time in like three years. It's not going to Knock on wood for the end of the season. Fair, fair. But the offensive line, we were worried about them coming in. We talked about early in the season about protecting Bronson Barron. They did it. They have. Brady, what do you got? Yeah, so I got a question here. So so is this the last one or is there one more after this? Because I got a guy that is interchangeable here. Yeah, we'll do we'll do this as the last one because we're we're a bit over on time here. So this will be the last one. So you can go ahead, man. Let it out. So I think uh shoot, man, that's just tough then. The unsung hero. Okay, I got two guys. I got an offense and a defense. I had to do it. I have to cheat on Fair this. Enough. So Fair an enough. offensive guy, uh, Bronson Barron. Okay. You know, and and I know he's a quarterback. 
Yeah, I know he's a quarterback and I know, so it's not really unsung, you know, he's like the face of the deal, good or bad. Right. But I just think he's had a phenomenal year of growth. You know, I think he's, I just really think really impressed with, with, with how he's played this season. You know, last year he was hurt. He was kind of, you know, in and out. Kylan Weiser was playing and and I love Kylan, but you know, I feel like last year he got hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then he gets hurt and all of a sudden, you know, who knows, but Bronson's come in this year and I think he's played, uh, I, th- I think he's played really good. So, and, uh, you know, he doesn't, he's not getting any of the conference awards or any of the national attention or anything like that, but he's he's leading a winning program. I think he's playing really good. I don't think he's making mistakes. He's giving us a chance to win. I I think he's done a phenomenal job on defense. I'm going to say, uh, and again, this is, uh, this isn't, this isn't fair again, because I don't know if he's unsung or not. And probably by the end of the year, he won't be, but, um, you know, I think the spark plug to our defense is, uh, is Winston Reed. I think he's, I think he sets the tone every week. Uh, as a leader, I think he makes big plays. I think he's physical. I think he makes guys nervous on the other side of the ball. Yeah. He flies around. He's making 13 tackles a game. I mean, I, that guy's unbelievable. And I, and I know he gets recognition, but I think there's a lot more behind the scenes as far as just being a leader that, uh, that, that we don't see and uh, just an absolute stud. No, absolutely. Definitely. Uh, a stud. Hero. Yeah. I would, I would have said um, Winston Reed had he not gotten national player of the week last week. Yeah. It kind of screwed up the unsung part, didn't it? Right. Because he, he had been, like you said, so consistent, such a, a leadership presence. Um, there were some question marks around the linebacker position, you know, losing Connor Mortensen, losing um, Sherwin Lavaca last season. Like what, what's going to happen? Winston Reed has just been absolutely dynamite. Um, and mm-hmm. it's good to have him again, probably going to have him back next season. So, Excited for that. But for me, I'm going to say my unsung hero is New Celestine because we talked about the need to, the, the, the worries we had on the defensive line. And there are a number of guys there. We've, we've chatted a bunch of them out here. But I really think that New Celestine, as a sophomore, has really taken a step forward to put himself in a position to be potentially an all conference guy next season if he continues with the progression. Right. And so that's my guy. Perfect. So guys, like we said, upcoming schedule, there's just one game on the schedule and that's the way it'll be for the foreseeable future. We'll, we'll take it week by week. Wildcats will face number 20, North Dakota. The fighting Hawks come back to Ogden for the first time since 2019, 2 PM kickoff time at Stewart stadium. So get up there by at least noon and get your tailgate going, uh, get your tickets at weberstatesports.com, uh, ESPN plus. If you're like me and you're out of market, or listen to the dulcet tones of Steve Clowkey on 103.1 The Wave. Um, we'll wrap it up. Email us, WeberStateWeekly, gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, and the blog. want to thank All-American Brady May for taking some time to hang with us. want to thank Sean Lewis from Casa de Lewis down there in the San Pete Valley. Thank you both, guys, for hanging out with us and chatting some Wildcat football tonight. We'll wrap it up like we always do. Sean, Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 (laughs) Go Wildcats.